Hi everybody, I'm Bob Schneider. Welcome to the Song Club. I knew it was a bad idea to meet you here, my dear. But now that I've done it, my heart's won it, and things aren't exactly clear. That's, by the way, that's a line where I had to rhyme something. Uh, and I was like, hmm, what rhymes with deer? And then, oh, clear. But it doesn't really make much sense. So you can't really rely on songs for the full truth of the situation because they rhyme. And anything that rhymes is probably going to be doctored a little bit so that it'll rhyme. Uh, I mean, every once in a while, things in life rhyme, but, you know, it's rare. And when they start rhyming all the time, you're like, what's happening? Why is everything rhyming? But that's the way it is in the world of music. Everything's rhyming all the time. I wonder where that, I wonder if that's where they got the name of Rhyming Auditorium in Nashville. Because they're rhyming all the time and with them country jobs. Oh, I love them country jobs. Mmm. I ain't no getting out of this world alive. Dude. Back when country started, that was some gangstery, gangster shit. Like, there weren't no country music television back then. There weren't no country music television awards. There weren't no The Voice, you know, where people were like, hmm, that sounds like an interesting tenor. Ooh, listen to the soprano on that singer. Let me press this little button and make the electricity turn this chair 180 degrees so I can take a peek and go, ooh, that's not what I was expecting. I was expecting that singer to look a little bit better than they do. But now I've turned around and now i got to pretend like everything is okay and hope that somebody else has turned their chair around and that the singer, who's not attractive, who has a much more attractive voice than they are, will pick the other person and not me. I've never seen the voice. I just assume that's what happens. Never seen it. I mean, I've seen... A second of it. I've seen enough of it to where I'm like, oh, this is the voice. Click. Let me turn it. I've only seen that much of it. I know people that have been on the voice and I've never even watched their, I've never even watched their episodes where they, that's fucked up, by the way. That's me not being a good friend. Actually, I have one friend who's been on it who I should watch her. Um, She should have won it. That's Lex Land. She's the best. She's the very best. She's the best of what music has to offer. She's a true artist. She's the best singer of anybody I've ever met. She's an incredible songwriter. She does her own thing. She's not trying to sell out. She's just trying to make real art. So guess how far she's gotten doing that? Not very far. Because really, to get far, you got to pretend. You got to pretend to be somebody that you're not all the time. And then you got to convince the world that you're that person. 
And if you don't, if you're just yourself, chances of you actually succeeding slim to zip. Somewhere in the in between slim and zip. But you know, I'm sure you'll be able to search your brains and find examples that did do it that way and make it. But I doubt it. You'll think you did. You'll think you'll be like, what about Bruce Springsteen, Bubba? What about Bruce Springsteen, man? Oh, really? Have you seen the commercial for the new Bruce Springsteen movie? It's like under West, it's called Western Skies or some bullshit or Western Stars. Where he's reimagining himself to be some sort of fucking cowboy. Guess what Bruce Springsteen's not? A motherfucking cowboy. He's from fucking New Jersey. I don't think they've ever had horses in New Jersey. And you gotta have cows and horses to have cowboys. Guess where they got horses and cows? In motherfucking Tejas, where I'm from. So if anybody's gonna be making a movie where they've got a hat on, Pretending to be a motherfucking cowboy. It's going to be Bon Jovi. Or it's going to be me. I know you're like, oh, but Bobby. Bon Jovi's from New Jersey as well. Just like the boss. I know that. So it's going to be me. Is what I'm saying. It's not going to be Bon Jovi either. Even though Bon Jovi on a steel horse he ride. That's right. He's a cowboy, and on a steel horse he ride. By the way, steel horse, don't go fast. Unless it's not a steel horse, because a steel horse is a statue of a horse. And you can get on that statue of a horse and pretend to be riding off into the sunset. But guess what you're riding off to? Looney Tuneville. That's right. Because you're on a statue, you're probably getting poop on yourself because statues are covered in poop. And you're about to be arrested because you're not supposed to be on a statue unless you're a child born from another planet like Superman and can do whatever the fuck you want because they'll come and try and arrest you and you'll be like, I want to stay on Steel Horse. And they'll say, no, Superman, you must get off Super... It'd be Superboy at that point, because he'd be four. And then Superboy would just kill everybody, accidentally. And he'd feel bad about it. He'd be like, ooh, I killed a lot of people. I want to ride Steel Horse. And then the parents would come and go, now, now, Superman, get off Steel Horse. And then he'd kill them. He'd just kill a bunch of people all the time, because he's Superman, if my son was Superman, I'd be dead now. Because every once in a while, my son has bad ideas. And especially when he was younger, he had lots of bad ideas. And I'd be like, those are bad ideas. I've got better ideas for you. And then he would say, I'm going to kill you. And he'd mean it. And if he was Superman, I'd be dead. And he would not be a good kid. He would have no boundaries. And he would have killed his parents. Well, he would have killed me for sure. And he'd feel bad about it. He'd have some PTSD 
Anyways, let's not think about that. That sounds horrifying. Uh, how are you doing? Welcome to the Song Club, by the way. Man, I just got going. I forgot to welcome everybody. Welcome. I want to say thanks to my Patreon members. If you're a Patreon member, thank you so much for your support. Your support goes a long way in helping me finance these musical endeavors when it comes to going into a studio and hiring wonderful musicians and engineers and mixers and stuff. Um, so thank you so much. If you're not a Patreon member, you can become one right now. Just go to patreon.com backslash Bob Schneider. I don't know why I'm talking like this. I feel like this is my, this is my, uh, hey, I'm just, you know, trying to sell you some shit voice. But yeah, you can go there, become a member today, and then you can get copies of all these songs from today's show and all of the past shows. And this is my 31st show, so there's over 240 songs that I've released. More than that. And you can get them today, right now. These are songs that you can't find on iTunes, can't find on Spotify, can't find anywhere but here at the Song Club. And they're brand new songs. They're songs that haven't been recorded on studio albums. They're the original versions of songs that have been recorded on studio albums. You'll also get access to my new record whenever it comes out so that you can download it and have it in case there's, uh, I don't know, in case the grid goes down at some point and you can't get to your streaming services. Maybe uh, maybe you decide, you know what, I'm going to cancel my streaming services for whatever reason. And then you just want the songs. Well, you'll have them. You'll get them. You'll get all my studio songs. You'll get all my demo songs. You'll get everything for nothing. You get it all for nothing. Why? Because that's the way we do it on the song club. We give the people what they want. We don't withhold. We give you what you need, what you want. And so we're here at the song club and you're here. Now, if you're just listening to this podcast and you're not a member of my Patreon, and you want to keep it that way, that's fine too. But if that's the case, um, what is helpful is if you tell other people about the podcast, if you like it, kind of spread the news a little bit, maybe um, rate the podcast. And if you write a review and rate it, that helps in some weird way. It tells the AI robot over there <clears throat> that something's going on here. And uh, it helps other people find the podcast maybe. And then it makes me more successful and makes me feel better about myself and makes me write songs about maybe um, feeling good and not songs about dying and feeling bad all the time, which is what I've kind of been doing lately. Because I'm in, a, I'm, I guess I'm in an age of my life where I'm like, oh, I just see it all, all, I see the ending. I see the end of it all, all the time. And uh, that's not good. And so I end up writing a lot of songs about that. But not all the time. And sometimes there's a beautiful tree that I see ahead of me and not the end of the road. And I'll go, oh, that's a pretty tree. And then maybe I'll write a song about that pretty tree. Maybe I'll write a song about somebody joining my Patreon club. And then I'll see a beautiful bouquet of bright green dollars. And when I see that beautiful bouquet of bright green dollars, I think, oh, I can buy my daughter and my son both of whom I love, some new shoes so they don't have to be wearing them old, scratchy, whole, worm, whole-filled, worm-eaten brogans that they wear to school now. Like they're in 
they're like they're part of some Oliver Swift high school musical. But actually, I won't, I won't use your money for that. They're going to have to keep wearing those old moth-beaten dusters. Because I'm going to use your money to record these songs so that it highlights how amazing they are with incredible musicians. And let my children be damned in their feet. Let them wrap them feet up with duct tape and saran wrap or whatever they can get their sticky little chilled in fingers on so that you can listen to these songs in all their studio glory. That's the way we do it. Why? Why do we do it that way? Why do I let my kids wear old shitty shoes so that you can hear these songs in all their glory? So, you're welcome. Uh, everything I do, like Brian Adams said, so wonderfully, so wonderfully, in fact, that he made a billion dollars. Everything I do, I do it for you. Well, I do it for me. I do it for you so that I will get what I want. Um, how about Brian Adams? Is he, a, is he alive even? What's up with Brian Adams? I haven't heard about him. Here's what I know about Brian Adams. He's got all the money in the world. He doesn't need to do a goddamn thing. But but what's he doing? I don't know. I should probably go on Spotify and find out. Maybe he's got a song club. Maybe Brian Adams has got a song club. Maybe he's listening to this song club right now. Maybe he's like... Hmm, Bobby's wondering what I'm doing. Maybe I'll give him a call. I doubt it. He doesn't have my number. But he has all the money in the world, so I'm sure if he wanted to get in touch with me, he would or could. Because people with all the money in the world can get in touch with anybody. And if he wanted to get in touch with me, I'd be like, what up, Brian? How you doing? What are you doing? I was just wondering about it. He's like, I know. I was listening to your podcast. No, I'm letting you know. I'm fucking just over here. In a pool of diamonds. I've got a pool filled with diamonds, a little bit of jello, so that the diamonds don't scrape my skin so bad. And I'm just rolling around in it. Do I lose a few diamonds every once in a while because they get stuck to me and then they fall off in the shower and fall down the drain? Yeah. That happens. But you know what? I got so many diamonds, I don't give a motherfuck. Because I'm Brian Adams and everything I do. I do for me. I do it for you, so I'll get more diamonds to put in my jello bowl. Um All right. I guess that's that's a lot of me just doing what I do. Shooting the shit as it were. Um let's get into the songs. While while we still can, while we're still not as young as we used to be, but not as old as we'll be, probably, if we keep breathing. Um, let's start with a brand new one. I just wrote this one yesterday, and uh, I'll be playing it um, very soon live. But this is a song that I have never played live, and I have no idea if it'll even work live. Every once in a while, I'll write a song, and I'll be like, oh, this will be a fun song to do live. 
And then I'll get on stage and realize, not so much. And then every once in a while I'll write a song and be like, oh, this isn't going to work. And then I'll get on stage and it's like, wow, this is really great. Live. Anyways, I think this one will be fun to play live. I don't know. It's called uh, Trying to Get a Hold of You. And uh, that was the song phrase for this week that somebody suggested in the game. And uh, usually when I write songs every week, and I've been doing this now for 20 years, I'll just try to write a song, and then I won't even refer to whatever the phrase was for that week. By the way, if you're new to the podcast, let me explain to you what I do. I have a thing called a song game. And uh, it's me and a few other songwriters, not very many, just a few. And I send out a phrase every week. And uh, everybody in the group writes a song. And in their song that they write, they include the phrase. So I've been doing that now since probably about 2001 is when I first started doing it. And uh, I used to do it every day, sometimes when I was on the road. And uh, for the last five or ten years, it's been once a week. And so this week, like every week before, and hopefully every week to come, there was a phrase. And the phrase was trying to get a hold of you this week. And so that's what the song ended up being called. Uh, Now, like I was saying before, lots of times I'll just try to write a song. And then once the song's written, then I'll try to put the phrase in there somehow. Like I wrote a song called Let the Light In a few years back. And the phrase was Not a Pretty Pair. And I wrote the whole song... And then after the song was written, I was like, oh, let me check out what the phrase is. Oh, not a pretty pair. Now I've got to put that in the song somewhere. I kind of wedged it in in the last verse. Sometimes I'll wedge it in and take it out right away after I've sent the song to the group. Um, so I don't break the rules. But sometimes I'll just, you know, it'll, it'll make the song go in a direction that it wouldn't normally go in. I would have never used that line in the song if that wasn't the phrase that week. And it kind of does a nice little thing in that third verse because that phrase had to be kind of wedged in there. Uh, That wasn't the case this week. This week I just kind of started with the phrase and uh, this is what I ended up with. Let's check it out. Here it is. Trying to get a hold of you. I'm not just some super atomic action hero fighting for the welfare of the poor. Dressed in green and seldom seen and standing outside your door. I know that you can see me Cause I know you've got that thing That lets you see who's at your door So please just let me in Cause I've been Chewing the tops of the trees Looking a little at the breeze down here in the ruins trying to get a hold of you Batman's got the weight of the world on his back Yeah He used to have a lot of hopes and dreams But now he's not like that no. And I'm kinda like that too Ever since I've been trying to get a hold of you Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. 
Yeah, I heard about the pits of despair, motherfucker. Um, man, I love that. Uh, I love that. I love that particular tone in songs. I call it the gold digger tone. It's that Kanye song, Gold Digger. And uh, it's like a dude who's like really into somebody and that person's just reckless with that person's feelings. Like the, the, the narrator in the song is like, man, I love you with all, I'll love you and I'll do anything. And the other person's like, yeah, okay, okay. But they're, they're like reckless. And like in that Gold Digger song, he's like talking about this chick in the song who had a kid with Usher and just got a bunch of kids by other people and he's going to take them all to Denny's and like feed them and stuff just because he's so into this chick. And then his friends are like, man, that chick's a gold digger. And he's like, yeah, I know, but you know, a digger. Anyways, that's kind of the attitude in that song is like this guy who's like into this person and he's trying to get a hold of them, but they're hard to get in touch with. But he's like, yeah, you know, you know, stuff that's hard is, you know, that's what I'm, I don't know. I like it. I like that sort of person who, who is trying to persevere in the face of, uh, I don't know, resistance or whatever. I love that. I'm a romantic, you know. I like it when somebody loves somebody, the the love is unrequited to some degree. Like, obviously, if it's like a, you know, this isn't like a stalker situation. Like, the, the if the, if I thought the narrator in that song was like a stalker, like he is, at the beginning of the song, he's standing in, at that person's door. <laughs> like, he's on their porch. So hopefully, he knows. I mean, it's a little bit autobiographical because I did date... Uh, a witch um, back in the 90s. Like a real witch. No, she wasn't green. She didn't wear a hat. She looked like a normal person. She had red hair. Pretty. She was a very pretty girl. But a- after I started dating her, she she told me that she was a practicing Wiccan and she was a witch. and Which I thought was kind of funny. Because I don't know, I didn't know anything about it, and it just seemed kind of something about that seemed hilarious to me. Um, but then she told me about it, and it, it sounded all very practical, and like she had all these things that she would do, like these practices. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, it wasn't like uh, they weren't like conjuring demons and stuff like that. She was just like she would light a candle and say what her intention was, and I was like, oh, I get it. That's kind of like redirecting your subconscious. To create an outcome, it's like, oh, it all makes sense. But um, after dating her for a couple months, I ended up uh, at her doorstep uh, one morning. And after I hadn't seen her all weekend, and I was trying to get in touch with her. And uh, this was back in the day when there was no cell phone. So you could you could try to call somebody and, and maybe they weren't at home right when you called and maybe they're whatever. There was a way that you could nowadays, obviously if you're texting somebody and they're not returning your text or you're calling somebody, whatever the, you get the idea. Well, like, well, they're obviously getting these messages, but back in those days you could be like, well, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe she's missing 
these calls or whatever. And we've been dating pretty, you know, solidly for a couple months. So I went over to her house one morning and I get there and I, and I knock on the door. I hear some noise inside the house. I'm like, well, she must be there. I can hear noises in there, but she's not answering the door. So I was like, well, I didn't have a key to her place, but there was a lat. She lived on the second floor of this building. There was a ladder behind her house. And regularly I would climb up the ladder when she wasn't there if it was late or something, and I would just get inside her house and just wait for her there until she got home. I don't know. It seemed like a the, a normal thing to do. I would usually do it late at night when I was drunk or whatever. Um, and uh, so I was like, well, let me get in the ladder and see what's going on. Maybe there's, I don't know. Let me just see. I was curious. My curiosity had been set ablaze or whatever. I don't know what the fuck. Anyway, so I so I get on this ladder, I climb up to the second floor, and as I and the and the windows open, uh curt you know, the windows open, the curtains kind of billowing in the breeze or whatever. And so I get to the window. As I get to the window, she pulls the curtain aside. She's standing there naked, wrapped with in a sheet. Now, again, this is just a memory that I have that happened, God, 30 years ago. So who knows? if this is true or if this is just a memory that I've created. I mean, I know I was, I climbed up to her window, but I don't know if she was naked. I don't know if she was wrapped in a sheet. This is just the way I remember it now. This is the story that I tell. And in my memory, she's standing there in a sheet and she's like, hey, I'm not alone. I'm fucking somebody. (laughs) And again, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if she said those exact words. And then the memory I have Of course, I was like a dagger to the heart. I was in love with this girl. I really was. I think she had put a spell on me with her witchcraft. But I was just devastated. And now I'm on this ladder outside of her window on the second story of this building. And I had stopped actually at McDonald's before I got there. And I had picked up breakfast for us. And I was like, I'll bring breakfast over for us. And I also, I know exactly the day it was because it was the day that the Beastie Boys' second album, uh, Paul's Boutique, came out. So I stopped at Sound Exchange on the drag at like 10 in the morning, bought that cassette. This is a time when you listen to cassettes. Bought the breakfast at McDonald's, walked over to her house, knocked on the door, then climbed up the ladder. Now... I'd left the breakfast at her front door. I didn't climb the ladder with the breakfast. So I didn't have it in my hand. But the thought did come to me when she said she was there. She wasn't alone and she was fucking somebody. I said to her in that moment, Oh, well, I only brought breakfast for two. And then walked out and then climbed down the ladder. Heartbroken, stunned. And as I was climbing down the ladder, I just started getting angrier and angrier. I walked up her steps inside her house, got to the door, grabbed the, grabbed the breakfast bag of delicious McDonald's breakfast, and then walked down. And by the time I got down the stairs the second time, after I'd climbed down the ladder and then come down her stairs, I was just, the, the sadness had just turned to anger. 
and I just lost it. And I took this bag of breakfast stuff and punted it up towards the window into the sky. And I was like, you fucking whore. And was just screaming and kicking this McDonald's breakfast around her front yard like a crazy man. And then just walked home crying, just devastated. And got back to uh, this uh, the co-op that I was living in at the time, Halcyon Co-op. It's no longer there. There's like a rehab center there now. And uh, got back and I was just like, good God. Now, the other thing that was going on at that time, it was, it was towards the end of the summer, August, maybe September, I don't know, whenever... You can find out exactly when it was by looking up when when the release date was for that Paul's Boutique album. Anyways, whatever it was, I went back to my, uh, you could call it a dorm room, my co-op room. It was a room, no bathroom, just a room in a big house with 12 other people, public bathroom, that kind of thing. Horrible. Dump, kind of a dump. And uh, didn't have any air conditioning, didn't have a window unit, had no air conditioning. And I don't, it was one of those things, you know, like when you break up with somebody and they have a dog and then you miss the dog more than you miss the person. I missed her air conditioning probably more than anything because I had no air. So now I'm in my hot room and I ended up painting a picture of her face on this entire blank wall of my room. I think that night or the next morning. So now I have this giant picture of her head in my room that was there until I moved out of the room, which was who knows how long, month or two. I don't know. By the way, if you break up with somebody because they're fucking somebody, don't paint their portrait of them in your room that you have to see every day. (sighs) And here's what's crazy. Uh, I never, I, I never saw her again. I mean, I saw her again. I never, we never dated again. She, she ended up, uh, the guy that she was, that I found her with, she ended up, I don't know if she married him, but she was with that guy for years. Um, cause I, I saw her every once in a while for years after that. And every time I'd see her, I'd be like, Hey, how's it going? And she was always still with that guy who was a warlock, by the way, he was a warlock. She was a witch. I was not a warlock because I didn't believe in that shit. Anyways, uh, it was one of those relationships where I never really got over her. Like I'd see her like, and it was one of those ones where I was like, I'm going to be a big star, bitch. And when I fucking get to be a big star, you're going to rue the day. And it really, really like, you know. I had a band called Joe Rockhead at the time and we started doing pretty well. And I was like, yeah, she's going to see how well we're doing. And I think she actually came to a show with that guy and we were like, you know, killing it. And she was like, nice show. And I was like, you know, thinking I'd be over. And this is like years after that, maybe a couple years. And I was still like, oh, still totally into her. So weird. Anyways, I guess that's maybe where the guy who's standing on the front porch at the beginning of that song comes from. I don't know. I don't know anything. Uh, let's listen to another song. This is uh, another 
a pretty new one. And again, uh, it's kind of an unrequited love song. Uh, it's called The Dark Knight. Also, another reference to Batman in this one. That's two in a row with Batman. A lot of Batman this month. So let's check it out. This is called The Dark Knight. into the room with his head on straight and his hair so grown and it's over oh it's over my baby's sweet she's smart as fuck but when he pulled up in that fucking truck it was over oh it was over Don't wish me well Don't say goodbye There's nothing good That's just a lie That's just a try To make me feel better Evenings come The guests are gone It's over. Yeah, that, that song kind of belongs in that same uh, same space as that story I just told. Uh, I love that line about peel the grapes. Like I don't even know, I don't even know what that means. I do know that my daughter likes to have her fruit peeled, um, like her apples. She likes to have the apples peeled. Um, peaches. She likes to have the the stuff that's near the pit. Like if it's cut, she likes to have that part cut off because it's got little strings like little stringy things so there's a lot of that that happens i'm not happy about it because the first thing i think of is like what about the kids in india who are living you know in the garbage you know with the flies on the garbage can land Are, are they having their they have their apples peeled is somebody taking the little tiny Things around the pit. They take it to do that? You doing that? No, they're not. Would the little kid in India be happy with the fucking just apple with the skin on? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Anyways. Uh I like I like uh I like stuff that comes that doesn't really necessarily relate to the song, but then if you're listening to it, you kind of have to make it relate to the song. So somebody is going to be listening to that and they're going to be like, oh, what is that? What does that mean? And I'm like, oh, it must mean something. But does it? I don't know. It might relate to it somehow. I just threw it in there. It is weird when you're writing songs because it's a strange, mysterious process. Because you're sitting down. It's not like I woke up and I was like, oh, I got to write a song about a relationship being over. And like it, I, I was dreaming and I started singing the chorus. No, none of that happens. 
I'm sitting down. I have no idea what I'm going to write about. I have no idea what style it's going to be, what the song's going to be about. I'm just sitting down with the idea, like, I'm going to write a song right now. And I'll pick up a guitar, maybe. Maybe I'll open up InDesign, which is the program I used to write the songs in. Uh, it's just a writing program. Or I'll open up Logic, which is what I record the songs in. And then I just start playing something or start typing out something. And it just comes out of nowhere. Just whatever comes into my head. Kind of like this podcast when I'm talking. I don't have any of this shit prepared. I just start talking and then my brain will just start thinking of stuff. And then I just make my mouth, make those thoughts turn into words. And that's what you're listening to. And that's how the songs get written. They all get written that way. It's not like this shit happened. It's not like somebody pulled up in their fucking truck and then my wife left me. That shit did not happen. All the stuff in all the songs that I've ever written is all made up. Now, like that first song where I'm the guy's standing on the porch at the beginning. Have I stood on somebody's porch? No, but I stood on their step in front of their door while they were fucking somebody inside their house. So, yeah, some stuff is relatable. It's some... Some of it's close to stuff that's happened, but that happened 30 years ago. That didn't happen, you know, that didn't happen two days ago or it didn't happen yesterday when I wrote that song. So it's a very mysterious process where all of it comes from. Now, if I'm feeling a certain way, I've, I've talked about this before in the podcast, the thing that is autobiographical in any of these and all of these songs for the most part is if I'm feeling a certain way, if I'm depressed, if I'm happy, if I'm feeling angry, if I'm frustrated, if I'm, uh, I don't know, just enjoying the day, feeling good, maybe I'm well rested, that emotional energy comes through in the songs. And I can actually exploit that feeling, that emotional feeling or content of the song by changing the lyrics and making it sadder or happier or funner, you know, or, or funnier or whatever it is. So in a way, I can actually get closer to the truth of how I'm feeling by fabricating the events in the song. Because if I just, if I just talked about my life and what I was doing, that doesn't necessarily reflect what's going on internally. Because on the outside... Everything could just be normal and looking good, but on the inside, it doesn't necessarily reflect that. So the songs, the songwriting is like that. Anyways, there's that. Um, I will say that uh, a lot of the songs this month have been pretty, uh, pretty dark. Um, pretty dark for sure. This next Next one is no, uh, no exception. Uh, I was definitely not in a good place when I wrote this song, and uh, you know, got in a, got into a little, uh, you know, had some relationship problems. I'll just leave it at that. Had some relationship difficulties. Happens, you know, all relationships go through some rough patches. I went through a rough patch this month. Uh, lasted for a couple days. And uh, I wrote this song during that little patch. 
But now everything's fine again. Everything's great. Relationship's good. Feeling better. But I got a song out of it. Let's listen to it. It's called Wasting Time. Sons of bitches They go town to town Cut up snitches They don't like snitches And all Japan If you're talking shit about the king You best understand Understand King don't play But watch what you say Mind your tongue Know you might be young But that's no go there you have it um it's weird because uh I, th- I just think that song's like so like to me it's very melancholy and very like like the the narrator i would say the narrator because even though i wrote it i don't necessarily think of me as the guy singing the song it's 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 always a character that's singing the song um and so I think of the narrator in that song as some dude that's just like so angry and so uh, upset. And he's just telling these stories about these different things to describe how upset he is, even though that person is me and I'm the one that's upset for sure. And uh, I don't know, something about that, that, uh, that scene in The Wizard of Oz I just, any scene where people get, like, I just have such a hard time with people getting, being killed in movies. Now, don't get me wrong. Do I love John Wick movies? Yes. I love those fucking movies. 
But that's like, it seems like a cartoon. Like every once in a while I'll stop and I'll go, oh, that's a human being that just was killed. Like he's dead now. And maybe he's got family, maybe he's got friends. But it's, I don't know, it just seems, it doesn't, like, I don't know. It's a movie. I I can tell myself that it's a movie. It's a movie movie. But for whatever reason, I was just thinking about The Wizard of Oz, because we watch that a lot here at the house. Uh, It's one of my wife's favorite movies. It's uh, My my daughter loves it. We own it. Uh, She's probably seen it 30 times. So it's on all the time at the house. And uh, I was just thinking about that opening scene where this woman is like she's been crushed by a house and it's there's a corpse there's a a corpse in that first scene where everybody's like dancing and having fun and laughing at the fucking lollipop kids and all this shit and Dorothy's like really excited to be there and and you got this fucking weird ass fucking Glenda which shows up in a fucking bubble and she's fucking weird as fuck and then the fucking, the evil witch shows up in a puff of smoke and she's fucking, that's my goddamn sister, bitch. You just fucking killed my sister. And Dorothy's like, I, 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 I you know, and these fucking munchkins, they're like, fuck that bitch. Fuck her. And, uh, you know, I just. I don't know, man. It's, it's so anyways, I wrote about it. So anyway, every time I've sung that song now, I've done that, you know, I wrote that song three or four weeks or whenever it was, every time I'm performing, people start laughing during that part. I'm like, that's not, it's not supposed to be funny. I'm talking about a dead person. Anyways, people laugh and I, you know, what am I going to do? Stop them from laughing? I mean, I think eventually I'm going to keep playing that song and eventually they're going to stop laughing. And maybe when they finally stop laughing, they'll be like, oh, that's pretty fucked up. I hope. That's the idea. The idea is laugh, laugh, and then eventually go, ooh, that's dark. That's what I like to do. That's the way Bobby do it. How do we do it? Like that sometimes. That's how I like to do it sometimes. Not all the time, just sometimes. Man, normally I have the uh, air conditioner turned off in my studio so that it's just nothing but crystal clear vocals. But it's hot. And, and what always happens is I'll, for, I'll turn it off and forget to turn it on. And the next time I come into my studio, it's a thousand degrees. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to keep it on. And you can hear it the whole time. And uh, that's the way I'm doing it on this podcast. You're just getting the raw. You're getting the rawness of it. You're getting the real raw shit. Um, let's see. Let's do another song. I do have some emails. You know what? Let me let me do a couple emails. Uh, Brian, by the way, if you want to, if you want to. Uh, Email me. You can do it at uh, bschneidermanagement.com, bschneidermanagement at gmail.com, or you can post it at Patreon, patreon.com backslash Bob Schneider if you're a Patreon member. I'll check those at the end of the month, and uh, if you've got any questions or requests for songs, I will 
get to them. So Brian West posted, oh yeah, I posted this about a month ago, but it must have got lost in the shuffle. Hopefully you'll read it before the next podcast. Oh yeah. Nevada show kicked ass. Great set list. Love seeing Billy Harvey playing with you. Got to talk with him after the show, and I was telling him how I loved his Dear Danger album. Make the Pain Last is one of my favorites, and I'd love to hear the demo of Making the Pain Last from you. We love you on the West Coast. Keep on coming. Half frunk. We'll travel. Peace and love. Ah, oh, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. Uh, I love Billy Harvey. He is the guy who plays all the well. He plays a lot of the guitar. He does all the background vocals on on every record that I've done since I'm good now. I'm good now. He produced and played most of the instruments on there, including guitar and keyboards and drums. And he play, he just is a a genius. And he's an, a a wonderful songwriter. He's a, an incredible person. Uh, yeah, and I hadn't played with him in. Oh, I don't know. Eight years, ten years. I mean, we 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 stopped playing full time together in two thousand. I want to say two thousand six or seven. We've played a few shows since then, here and there, but it's been a while since we played any, and we just did a tour together of the West Coast, and it was fun uh, getting out, getting to hang with him, and and make music with him because he's so talented. And uh, the Dear Danger album is is wonderful, and his newest record is is inc- uh, just all you can't go wrong with Billy Harvey. Uh, so if you haven't checked his albums out, check them out. They're they're cool and. Uh, Make the pain last that he's got on his record is wonderful. Again, he's he's part of that song group, and uh, and so we've got a lot of songs that a lot of them have the same title, and uh, and uh, his was called "Make the Pain Last," and I, I guess mine is called "Making the Pain Last." Uh, so let's yeah, let's check it out. This is from uh, a few years ago. <laughs> songs love gone wrong songs i think they're all i'm looking at the rest of the songs from this show they're all going to be kind of in that same same vein except for maybe 
the next, maybe I'll end with the one that's not necessarily that way. Um, yeah, that's making the pain last. That's that deal where, you know, when you break up with somebody and then you're like, you're just telling yourself this story over and over again where you're like, oh, that was the only chance I had of being happy. And it's just bullshit. It's just what happened was before you could truly realize that that relationship wasn't going to make you happy, which is what would have happened had the relationship lasted longer. Uh, you just never got a chance to get there. So you're just like, because you never got there, you're just like, oh, that was the one. That was the one. That's why the two-month relationships, when you break it, because that's kind of a, if you can get through the first date and you start dating somebody, two months is about the time that relationships kind of fall apart because that's a that's about the time you realize oh that's who this per you finally kind of see underneath the veil and see who the other person is and you kind of also realize oh this isn't really what I was looking for because it doesn't necessarily represent you know my primary you know it doesn't remind me of of when I was like you know four perfectly enough so I'm out and then the other person, maybe they're like, oh, no, this is what? This is it right here. This is the shit. And then they're like, yeah, I don't want to see you anymore. And you're like, oh, no. You were the thing that was going to fucking save me from my life and my misery. And because you never got a chance to fully realize that it wasn't, you just tell yourself this lie. And sometimes it can last for years. Sometimes you kill yourself. Sometimes you kill the person and you kill yourself. Because you're so convinced of this lie. And the lie is that somebody is going to make you happy. And that's just not the case. Now, my children bring me more joy than anything in the world. They bring me more joy than anything in the world. And yet even my children can't make me happy. They can bring me joy and I can experience joy by being around them at times, but they will not make me happy. And neither will any single person, including my wife, my parents, anybody. That's, that's something that happens because of kind of who you are and how you conduct yourself and how you feel about yourself. And it's something that's uncontrollable. It's something that it just is the way it is. Like you are who you are. You feel the way you feel. Now, can you eat a Snickers bar and feel real good for a minute? Oh, yeah. Can you meet an attractive person and get caught up in, in, uh, in uh, the romantic moment? And feel hopeful? Oh, yeah. Can you see, can you be passing a goddamn home goods and see a big sign that says 50% off everything in the store? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit, maybe there's something in there that'll fucking, that I can buy that'll fucking fix it. Oh, yeah. There's all these things that can bring you, that can change the way you feel. But they're not going to make you happy. They're just going to make you change. They're going to change the way you feel for a minute. And then you're right back to where you were. And that's relationships. And so, yeah, 
you know, you can tell yourself lies. And we live in a culture that's, that's fab, like the whole culture is based on lies. Like you're constantly told that, uh, that real romance, that true love is like this magical thing where you'll meet the person that you love and you'll live happily ever after. But that ain't the case. You'll meet the person that you think you love, and that's the beginning of a long, rocky, fucked up road. And that's why most marriages end in divorce. Because nobody says, oh yeah, you're going to meet the person that you fucking love. And that's the beginning of the hardest motherfucking mountaineering expedition you'll ever be on in your life. Enjoy. Now, is it rewarding? Is it worth it? Absolutely. I love my relationship. I love my wife. I love being in the relationship, but it's hard and it's not fun sometimes. And it's real fun sometimes, but that's life. That's what it is. And if, if, if my wife decided that she didn't want to be married to me or I decided I didn't want to be married to her, we, I would deal with it and it would be different. But what makes me happy is not my marriage or anything. It's not anything. It's something else. It's my relationship to the it's my relationship to the world that makes me happy. It's my relationship to myself and my relationship to the world. That predicates how happy I am or how at peace I am with the world. But then the way I feel is not even predicated on that because the way I feel is something that just kind of comes and goes like the weather. Am I going to get mad at the earth because the wind is blowing? Am I going to get upset at the earth because it's raining or it's the sun is shining? Because that's the way feelings are. How happy I'm feeling or how I'm feeling at the moment is just like the weather. It's something I have no control over. So, yeah, I guess that's what that song is about. Making the pain last is trying to keep telling yourself that same lie. And uh, eventually maybe giving up on that lie. Because no matter how much you hurt, time will eventually dull that ache. And... uh Eventually, you just won't be hurting as much anymore. So, this has been the part of the podcast where I try to tell you what I know. It's bow, ring, boom. There you have it. All right, let me play another song here. Um, actually, let me read a few more emails. There's not a very, there's not a very many. Jared Lenham writes. 20-year anniversary Lonely Land tour possibilities. I know there was a couple of releases of Lonely Land album of the Lonely Land album, but would you entertain the idea of an anniversary tour of that album? I doubt it. That sounds horrible. I mean, I love that album, but the idea of playing that album night after night, fuck no. If you want to listen to the album, listen to the fucking album. I'll play a few songs off of it, but I'm not going to play that whole album. I want to play the new songs that I wrote. Um, or start a Lonely Land cover band and you play them night in and night out. Until you hate them. You do it. Do it, Jared. I know you can do it. Um, Stacy Sutton, I think, wrote this. First ever BobCon, October 12th through the 14th, 2019. Hey, Patreon community, making sure everybody knows about the first ever BobCon, a.k.a. Bob Tobin. 
Oktoberfest, Monday, October 14th at the Saxon Pub Lonely Land Show. Get advanced reserved seats from last week's Patreon link before they go on sale to the public September 23rd. For more details, go to the Fans of Bob Schneider Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Bob Schneider fans. Hope you can join us. Wow. Sounds like there's going to be some Bob Schneider fans at the October 14th Saxon Pub, which is coming up very soon. Two weeks from from uh, yesterday, I guess. Um, all right, we'll check that out. Um, maybe we'll see you at the Saxon Pub. Uh, that's not, by the way, that's not sponsored by me. That's Bob Schneider fans. And, and I think Stacy said. So I think that's who's kind of taking that over. But uh, don't come to me for answers because I don't have answers. I'm just reading it. I'm just reading the email. Anyways, that'll be fun. That'll be cool. There'll be like a big family of people there. Uh, people that I see on the road sometimes. And then, of course, the Saxon Pub family, which is a group of people that come week in and week out. They'll be there too. Um, let's see. Clyde Kaplan posted, here's a demo I requested about a year ago. I must have fallen off the list. How about flower parts in honor of my now year and a half old grandson? Um, well, I will put it on the, the list. I think we're, we don't have any room this, this month for it. So I'll, I'll add it to the list. Clyde, thanks for the uh, request. Brad McBride wrote, what was the song club prompt for trash? And is there a demo? One of my favorites. And who came up with the amazing drum track for You May Want to Take Some Time? I think the uh, amazing drum track for You May Want to Take Some Time came from this software synth called Machine, M-A-S-C-H-I-N-E, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's just a loop that I found, I think, on Machine. Uh, I wouldn't bet all my money on it, but uh, yeah, that's... Uh, that's where that came from. And um, I don't know what the the song club prompt for trash was. It might have it might have just been trash, actually. Uh, I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. Um, also, Jared Linham uh, a while back requested trash, and that actually made the the list this month. So, uh, in honor of Brad and Jared, let's listen to the original demo of the song Trash. Here I am Walking down the street again It's like a scene in a movie Just me and the garbage man Clicking my shoes on the ground Oh, just like an acrobat How could it last? There you have it. Another unrequited love song uh, in this month's grab bag of love that didn't work out. Um, 
And that's Trash. That was the original demo, a little slower than the studio version um, that I believe is on Lovely Creatures. That's one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite records that I've made. Uh, it's the first record I made with Dwight Baker, um, who's produced all my records since then. Um, and I remember talking to him before we decided to record, and, and he, I, I, he had found me somehow... Uh, and, uh, he was like, Hey, give me a call. And I got an idea. And so we, we talked and he was just like, man, I want to make, I just want to make like a really beautiful record with you. And so he just really was passionate about it. And I was like, yeah, man, let's do it. And it really felt kind of like I had the same feeling with that record that I had with Lonely Land. Um, where I just felt like, oh yeah, we're going to, you know, <clears throat> I, I didn't have a record company at the time. And I just, and it was like, he really wanted to make something good for for himself, for his own, just so that he could, you know, prove something to himself. And, uh, and I wanted to do that too. And, uh, and I really think we, we, we did that with that record. Um, I, I did give that, that record to my son when he was four, he's 14 now. And, uh, he, there's a picture of me on the cover of the CD and he just loved, he would sleep with it in his bed at night. And I would, I had like a little, uh, a boom box in his room and we would put that on at night when he was going to bed, that album. And so for, I don't know, four years, maybe until he was eight, every night that he was at my house, um, he would listen to that at night. And so he knows every word to like the first three or four songs, you know, probably all of it, you know, I'm sure there were nights where he didn't fall asleep before the end of the record, but, uh, I used to hear it, you know, in the next room, I'd hear it playing kind of softly in from his room. And, uh, so I, I've, that's the record of mine that I've made that I've heard more times than any other. And, uh, I never got tired of it. So I, I think that's a good, sign uh but yeah that's the uh that was the original version you know i recorded that the day i wrote the song and i have noticed a lot of times when i'm recording a song for the you know when i'm writing a song and recording it um i tend to tends to be a little slower than i end up actually playing it and i don't know why that is that was definitely the case with that song um all right, let's listen to another song that was trash. Um, I do have one more, uh, uh, one more request from Claude Kaplan for the demo for "I'm Good Now." Uh, so let's check that out. I didn't even know there was a demo for this. I'm not even sure if there is. I'm not sure what this is. Let's check it out and then we'll talk about it. Was a time in West Virginia where the cops showed up, where the shop blowed up, where we didn't know what was gonna happen. They fucked the whole place up, they tried to kill my dad, took all the money I had, and what was really bad, it was I could do nothing to stop them. 
I'd move to Mexico to get away, you reap the seeds you sow, so they say I spend most nights hanging out at a place called a rainbow bar, drinking spaces all night long, singing Mexican love songs, getting all the words all wrong and not give a damn. Hoping that my luck might change Feeling crazy, acting strange Never worried about the danger I was in I've had a mighty bad run of luck Since you left this town Sometimes you hit the brake But you can't slow down I know what I want on my damn tombstone When they put me in the ground Time to ride it big and tall And not at all But I'm good now Huh, interesting I guess that was the original demo that was on the uh, Super Shit um, series. <laughs> I, I name all the songs every year after I just make up an album title and the year that year was going to be Super. That was your that year was called Super Shit. Um, yeah, I don't know where that demo came from. That might be from uh, that might be from the live record that we. I don't know. I. I'm I'm I'd be shocked if I actually recorded all that music. Um it's definitely not the version that's on I'm good now. So it's a different version than that. I maybe I recorded that in my studio, maybe I got some help recording it um at my studio with some other folks um cuz it doesn't sound like me singing the backup harmonies either. Um uh that might just that might have been a alternative version. I don't know. But that's it says that's the demo. Who knows? Anyways, we like to please, we aim to please here at the Song Club. So that goes out to Claude Kaplan, if that is indeed his name, because it says Clade Kaplan on my request. But it's probably Claude, because I've never heard of Clade. But maybe it is Clade. And if it is, my apologies. So yeah, those are all the requests. Those are all the emails. Um, We're already over the hour mark, so... Let me play this last couple songs from this month. Um, this is another new one. It's called Guitar Center. I, I bought a new harmonica at Guitar Center, and uh, so I had to go down there. I used to hang out at Guitar Center all the time. Anyways, I went down there last week, and uh, there's always just there's always some guy in there playing guitar, and he's like shredding. There's always an old guy, like. When I say old, 50s. There's always a guy in his 50s, maybe 60s, right in that area. Silver hair, well-to-do. He's probably, you know, he's probably always somebody that looks like they've got a pretty good job. They're dressed nicely. Maybe they just got done from their day of work. And they're just shredding in there, playing. And this day was no exception. There was a guy in there. He's playing like all these, you know, classic rock solos and stuff and just killing it. And all I could think of when I'm in there is just how much, how hated this guy is by the people who work there. I'm just assuming that the people that work there are just like, just spending all of their energy hating this guy. Uh, And he seems oblivious to it. Like the guy seems like, like, I feel like the guy's thinking, man, I'm destroying it right now. And these people are like loving the fact that I'm in here doing this because I am the shit. I'm king shit. 
of shit mountain. And these people are looking up from turd patch place. And they're going, I wish I could be king shit of shit mountain. Instead of lowly turd hunter down here behind the register. But what's really going on is that guy's insane playing the guitar. And these people at Guitar Center are wishing they weren't working at Guitar Center almost as much as they're hating this guy. And I'm just there going, I got to get the fuck out of Guitar Center as quickly as possible because I don't know what's going on, but the stuff that I'm imagining is awful. And uh, I will say this, when I was a young, young man, starting out in the biz, or before I was even starting out in the biz, I used to go to Guitar Center all the time, and I would go to the keyboard room, and I would play those keyboards for a long time. And sometimes if somebody else was in there playing keyboards, I would start kind of jamming along to what they were playing so we could get a jam going. And I guarantee you I must have just been fully hated but what i was thinking was like i'm kind of killing it i'm kind of killing it on these keyboards and i was like writing songs like i wasn't like playing covers either i wasn't playing because i don't know how to play covers i don't know how to play anybody else's music i was making up shit i would just turn to a new patch and i'd hear it and i'd go oh i got the song for this patch and i'd start making it up and i was going i'm fucking killing it Meanwhile, these guys must have been hating me. Who knows? Uh, anyways, I wrote a song called Guitar Center. Actually, I wrote a poem before I wrote the song called I Am the Manager of the Guitar Center. And uh, the poem really doesn't have anything to do with the uh, the song, but I like the idea of a song about this guy who's the manager of a guitar center. And, and of course, that's, you know, the lyrics are, I'm the manager of the guitar center, and then he talks about himself a little bit. But here's the song. It's called uh, Guitar Center. I'm the manager of the guitar center. The youngest manager at that store. Took a chance at success. Success came up to pull my door. I live in Waco where they kill careers. That was a few show years ago. I'm the manager to the center. Hey, 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 I'm the manager of the Guitar Center. Um, I do have a few song request updates. I have some song requests that have been in the in the queue for a bit, and then I realized this month when I was looking to looking for the demos, there aren't any demos. One of them is is uh, Oklahoma that Donna Randall wanted to hear. Um, There's no demo for that. Um, I wrote that years and years ago before I started recording the songs. When I would write them, I would just write them. And uh, 
There might be a recording of that jam session somewhere, but I wouldn't have the faintest idea. I've got boxes of cassettes that have stuff that uh, might, it might be in there somewhere, but uh, I'll probably never look through that stuff. So sorry, but couldn't help you there, uh, Donald. Um, also, Stacy Sutton requested Under My Skin. Uh, again, another one that was written so long ago. Uh, it didn't didn't have a, a real demo for it. And then Vince Matthews wanted the to hear the demo for one thing, but we already did that on a previous uh, Song Club podcast. So um, maybe what I'll do this month is I will update uh, the list that has all the songs and in, in which, which uh, Song Club posts they were on. So you can easily find that uh, instead of having to look through everything uh, because there are 31 posts now but um, there you have it that's all everything we're all caught up all the emails all the song requests so if you've got any more requests uh, or any feedback of any kind let me know Um, I'll be here to answer those and get those lined up for you. Until uh, the next time, this is another new song. It's called The Existential Blues. Um, It kind of is self-explanatory. It's another brand new one. Um, Thanks again uh, to everyone for joining me here today on the Song Club. Remember, you can uh, join my Song Club on Patreon at uh, patreon.com backslash Bob Schneider and uh, get all these songs you've heard today. Remember to rate and review this on iTunes. It really will help. And uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Take care.